male living space. A podcast about spas. A podcast about Sparks. I'm Gib Christensen, and I love the band Sparks. I'm Jamie Ogihara, and I don't know one single thing about the band Sparks. And together, we're dissecting this seminal brotherly band's complete body of work, one album at a time. And this month, we're actually not alone. That's right, it's not just me cackling like a hyena while Jamie destroys a song I love. We also have our very good friend, Jenna McCorkle. Hi, I'm Jenna McCorkle, and I know a medium amount about Sparks. She's a perfect middle ground for our knowledge and opinions. Yay! Hooray! Anyway, last month, to catch up listeners and Jenna a bit, we looked at the album Big Beat, which wasn't so much a response to punk, but a very coincidental punk-adjacent record that, to this day, is extremely divisive among the fanbase. Half really despise it, half are like, I get what they were talking about. They walked away still feeling like failures in terms of approaching the American audience. Britain still had nostalgia for This Town and various other tracks by them, but two albums in a row with their return to America, and they're still not really doing much. To the point, actually, where before Introducing Sparks came out, they were officially an old enough band to have a Greatest Hits album out. Oh... The years have passed, and it was assumed that they really weren't going to make a comeback. Even their record label, Island Records, was like, we are out of ideas. But then Columbia Records stepped in and was like, hey, when you're done with Island, we'd love to be your main producer, and we'll get you a good album, we'll make you something good, we'll make you successes. That is sort of the purpose of introducing Sparks. This new album that we're covering from 1977. Seen as sort of a back to basics for Sparks. Going back to their more signature sound, more humor, or at least more obvious humor. They also decided to use session musicians again, much like in Discreet, and instead of Big Beat and their older records where they got to know a band, they just hired a bunch of session people to do what they want, essentially. In fact, there are 15 credited musicians on this album. One of which I could recognize. Oh, really? Who was that? Session guitarist Lee Rittenor. Oh, yes. It includes folks like him. There's Tom Rotella, who was a long-established guitar player, future members of Toto, and the backing singers from Pink Floyd's The Wall. Wait, what? Mm-hmm. They just all kind of happened to be on this album. Wait, are you telling me that the band Toto started out as session people for Sparks? Indeed, and I love that fact a lot. Damn. <laughs> now I really bless the rains down in Africa. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they just got a lot of support production-wise from Columbia. Even the promotional material and advertising was pitching it as, even though they already had sort of a big break, quote-unquote, this was the one that would... Bring them into the pantheon of famous rock stars. This would make them household name. 
while it's agreed to be a good album overall, its critical reception was very lukewarm. A lot of critics were just like, all right, they just keep trying, they keep coming back for more, but it's just not doing it for me. These days, the fan base is very much a big fan of it. It's a very good instance of an album aging well once people took the time to re-listen and not see it as like, oh, I waited this many years for a new record and this is what you guys brought? That kind of stuff. It's very favored, but it sold terribly. A lot of reviewers didn't even bother covering it because they were so bored with the band. I was listening to it earlier today and looked at the individual play counts on Spotify because it oh, yeah. shows that when you pull it up on the browser version. Yeah. And they were not particularly high for any song. Most of them didn't crack 100,000 listens. I found out also there wasn't a CD of the album until like 2008. So And CDs were like already almost on the way out by then. Yeah, exactly. It was interesting seeing the label, whoever owned their various albums over these years, finally take the time to use the money or resources or put it on modern platforms. That's kind of part of why streaming and uh, Edgar Wright's movie have really helped them become a lot more accessible to people. One last fact that I found really interesting. While the session musicians have gone on record multiple times of saying how much they love the Mail Brothers, apparently... At the time of recording, the males didn't like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> especially Ron, apparently, was kind of standoffish with them. And while they did enjoy having a good amount of musicians to help out when they were making Indiscreet and wanted a very big band pet sounds vibe outside of that they seem to kind of view session musicians as a bit more urgent to finish the project Mm -hmm. they just kind of wanted to do more takes but the session folks were always like all right we nailed it moving on right Besides that, it didn't seem to be a difficult process or anything. Most of them were happy with the album. Ron and Russell actually, for a little while, saw it as their worst record, even though they had put out Big Beat. Really? Yeah. In a 1995 interview, Russell stated it as what he thinks was their worst record to date. But these days, they've kind of turned the other cheek. At least Ron has gone on record of being like, Oh no, it's actually our strongest, most commercially friendly album. That was also kind of an effort on the label's part, was to try again to be like, can we do anything commercially viable? Obviously, they still didn't. Uh, Anyway, let's move on to our Sparks Book Reports. Jamie, would you like to start? Certainly. This is Jamie's Sparks Book Report on Introducing Sparks. Looking back now, it seems as if it takes Sparks at least one album's worth of missteps before they find themselves on solid footing. Introducing Sparks comes on the heels of Big Beat, an ill-conceived rush job which was intended to be their grand reintroduction to stateside listeners. Where that record reveled in crude, shouty bluster, the follow-up is colored by a pervasive, winking impishness. The brothers' long-held fascination with comic eroticism is present on tracks like the Klezmer-influenced Goofing Off and the Beach Boys parody Over the Summer, but euphemisms are deployed strategically to meet the band's adolescent fans on their level. If Big Beat constituted Sparks' half-assed attempt at teen Teenage Rebellion, introducing Sparks is the group finally, miraculously, coming of age. Very good. Very good. Now for Gib Christensen's Sparks album book report on introducing Sparks. If a really good album comes out but nobody gives a shit, was there ever really an album? (laughs) That was the case with 1977's Introducing Sparks. 
Introducing does a genuinely good job at presenting a lean, digestible sample of the band's iconic sound and style in a way that could easily be used to get someone into the band. It's got the piano, it's got songs about losers, it's got the band's signature long-winded horniness, even the elegant strings of albums like Indiscreet and more singular instances like the song Here Comes Bob, all in a convenient, short package. If you need a quick hit of sparks, like you're taking a fast drag from your only cigarette before your boss at Denny's calls you inside to clean something weird, listen to Introducing. Yes, I definitely would agree with all of the descriptors that you used. Short, fleet, quick, at nine tracks this whizzes by. Lastly, I know Jenna has prepared some thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't write a formal book report because it's not like I ever did that in school anyway. She's not a nerd like us, Jamie. Yeah, I'm not a fucking nerd. Excuse me, I'm a buff jock. You can hear in our voices we all have eight packs and we're getting kind of annoyed by them. They kind of get in the way. I know. Mine's almost a nine pack. I'm so mad. I keep bumping into things with my gorgeous muscles and I'm just like, ugh, cut me a break, world. Anyway... (laughs) Anyway, I did want to echo a lot of what Gibbs said. If you had to introduce someone to Sparks who knew literally nothing, had never heard of the band, you just need to show them this at its most basis form is what this band is about. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the album that you would show them. And in that respect, it is kind of the most well-titled Sparks album in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is so funny because on the surface, introducing Sparks sounds so like boring and basic, especially compared to some of the other goofy album titles they've had but in a weird way it is kind of the most appropriate one you're like hey do you need a gateway into sparks all the kids are talking about this sparks (laughs) nonsense and you don't know what's what yeah this is the album that i would show them it's not super long it goes by quick the first time i listened to it i was like whoa that was fast but not in a bad way at all it really does just give you you want to know what sparks is about it's this done (laughs) nice very good Mm mm-hmm Now, this being a podcast about sparks, we work on something called the Ignitometer, a scale on which everything is measured based upon items that ignite and produce sparks, ranging from stone to oil left in pan too long. Now, we first use these terms to review our sparks book reports. Jamie, I think that was an excellent book report. You did a very good job at telling the story of their career at this point, really giving us some good context to be like, okay, here's where they were at in their musical journey and what has sort of led them to this rejuvenation in a way. Mm. It kind of feels like a promotional thing, the way you described it. It felt like a nice ad read or something for the album. So I will rate that review as... You know what? Yeah, I'll give it an oil left in pan too long. I think it was very strong. This book report was probably one of the least personal that I've ever written. I didn't specifically mention songs that I liked or disliked, so I'm a little surprised that I got rated so high. So I may continue along the line of something more analytical (laughs) as we do book reports going forward. Yeah, clearly Gib doesn't want to hear your actual feelings. (laughs) Yeah, Gib is a man of science. You can tell by the way that his hair stands up. Yeah, I'm a mad scientist in a way. My science isn't really in books. It's sort of a sundial era science. I'm catching up in a way, but don't scare me with, you know, flying machines. Yeah, in 1890, he would have been a super genius. Mm -hmm. In 2022, he's a super genius. That's true. (laughs) 
And on the topic of your brilliance, Gib, I thought that your book report this time around really captured the essence of the album. I definitely liked that you're still recognizing patterns throughout the lyrical subject matter. Yours also did have certain qualities of advertisement. Yeah. The way that you used phrasing, like, it's got everything. It's almost our version of being emotional about the album. Is We both seem relieved that it's not the last one. <laughs> we're, both just, <laughs> we're just both like, hurrah, the oh, boys damn. are back. I, I see, I'm behind right. on listening to this podcast. I haven't heard the last one. You both dislike it. Oh, I take Jenna, it, but... it got so bad that the microphones actually malfunctioned because of how enthusiastic we were about our spite for it yeah it was is it bad that that makes me want to listen to it more oh not at all wait i'm taking a peek at this this last album is 54 minutes the last album also was saddled with a bunch of bonus tracks and outtakes oh yeah true. which were honestly better than the stuff on the record <laughs> anyway yeah. off topic Gip, I loved your yeah. book report, which is why I am giving it an oil left in pan too long. Gasp. We're both perfect. We never have to improve. We, uh, <laughs> we're never going to make mistakes ever. Is this the first time that you've both given each other perfect grades? No. This might Good. It means you're consistent kind of supportive yeah. co-hosts. Yeah. If there's an award for that, we better be getting it. And I hope the trophy is edible. Yeah, I really hope that we win Best Duo at the Subscribies this year. And because it's a podcast award show, even if it weren't for a pandemic or anything, it's remote. Yeah. We're all very uncomfortable with giant crowds, so... That's why we started podcasting. Exactly. The usual uniform for these awards, it's not fancy tuxes or anything, it's just kind of whoever's coziest. It's like, best bathrobe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Honestly, if you're not wearing a shirt, it kind of shows how much of a professional you actually are. Gib and I will, of course, be in separate Zoom windows throughout the broadcast. So be, yep. on, the, be on the listen out for yeah. us at the subscribies. The funny thing is, because we're in separate Zoom rooms, when we win the award, it'll be kind of an awkward jumble, like who gives the speech. Right. One of us will probably be left on mute. That'll be a hilarious gag. I'm planning on changing my background to the For Your Consideration poster for the Banshees of Inisherin. <laughs> Should we rate Jenna's non-book report? Well, we have to give it a non-rating since it was a non-book report. A non-rating. Right, right. true. The ignitometer does not apply to me. No, no. We work in the abstract. So, okay, I'm going to give Jenna's non-book report three quarters of a garlic naan. Ooh. I love garlic naan. I will take that as a grand compliment. And I will give Jenna McCorkle's official non-sparks non-book report not on the album Introducing Sparks that didn't come out in 1977. I will give it six Nick Cages and one order of sausage and rice. Oh! oh that sounds lovely. No beans? <laughs> well, I guess... Oh, Jenna, the... Gib said no beans. Well, here's the thing. It depends on what kind of beans. Because I'm, you know what? I can be, I'll admit it, I'm a little picky with what kind of beans I like. What kind of bean do you vehemently dislike? Black beans. Okay. What's your favorite bean? Probably like Boston baked beans or like beans that have been just drenched in barbecue sauce. Okay. So these six Nick Cages in their jacket pocket each have a loose amount 
<laughs> oh no! Of of your favorite beans <laughs> covered in sauce, uh, for free access from you at any time if you ask one of them. This is not a fantasy I've had before. <laughs> Thank you for putting this in my brain, Gib. You're welcome. Shall we move on to our top three tracks of the album? Absolutely. Let's do it. My top three tracks of introducing Sparks were "Goofing Off," "Occupation," and "Forever Young." Oh, terrific! My top three tracks on Introducing Sparks were Big Surprise, Forever Young, and Those Mysteries. Oh. Jenna? My top three tracks were Big Surprise, Goofing Off, and I'm Not. Mm. Mm. Is there a certain song anyone right now really, really wants to talk about? Jenna is on here because she is actually a Goofing Off scholar. Ah, yes. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) At the time, I was in charge of putting together a playlist at my place of occupation, tie-in. Yeah. And because I was originally going to do a Spark song that would not have worked because it has lots of naughty words in it, Gib suggested that I should instead use goofing off. And I gotta say, sitting at work, bored out of my mind for hours at a day, it's very meaningful when that song comes on because it spoke directly to my actual life at that point. I'll be scooped off and carried to work and propped up in a chair. That was basically most of my days at work. Both me and Jenna love this like bar mitzvah quality Mm -hmm. of instrumental. It's really fun. It's so funny and weird. And then out of nowhere, and this is a recurring theme through Throughout the album is some real shit hot guitar licks that don't need to be there <laughs> but they're there anyway and it makes the album all the better for it every time the sick guitar solo shows up just out of nowhere that's lee rittenor baby aka captain fingers <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't in the book and now i feel deprived of important information oh yeah um, that was like his nickname because he's such a skilled and technical guitarist and actually most of his solo work is in the world of jazz fusion and yes mm. give things that are adjacent to yacht rock <laughs> Yes. Yes. Actually, as long as we're talking about Captain Fingers, I would actually like to lead that to a different song that I wasn't feeling it at the beginning. This would be I'm Not. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as that guitar kicked in three quarters of the way through the song and played out that those sick riffs on the way out, I was like, damn, this song just got fucking awesome. And then I went around and listened to it a second time, and I'm like, wait, the beginning is good now. And (laughs) I'm Not very rapidly went from a song that could have ended up in my bottom three to my top three. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Fingers. That's Captain Fingers. He didn't spend all that time in finger boating school for nothing. I'm sorry, Captain. Yeah, very technical. That's a very good way to describe his guitar wizardry. And it doesn't feel improvisatory either. It all feels very grounded within the melodic structures of what Sparks is. Yeah, it it never felt like he was just like, ah, I'm just going to go off and riff. Yeah, no noodling. Let's talk about Forever Young. Sparks wrote an actual punk song after an album of making fun of punk. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly why I like it. It's interesting seeing them embrace what was the trend at the time. Mm-hmm. When for a while they were like, no, 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 no. We're not. We're just going to keep doing our own thing. Right. I love the lyric, you say I'm playing God, but you're old and wasted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It reminds me a lot of, like, Jeff from Community, of all things. Just someone like that who is obsessively anti-aging and will do whatever is possibly told to them to be like, Ha-ha! I will not have wrinkles if I run five miles a day at noon under direct sunlight with five granola bars in me. Uh, Uphill both ways. Uphill both ways. Uh, (laughs) Definitely something Chris Traeger from Parks and Rec about it. (laughs) Yes! Yeah! That is literally a perfect description. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just think it's a really fun premise, really goofy, really fun punky vibes, really fun punky guitar work. Mm -hmm. Again, thank you, Captain Fingers. Holla at your boy. Uh, Thank you, Captain Fingers. This might be the title of the episode. (laughs) Thank you, Captain Fingers. (laughs) Thank you, Captain Fingers. Any other comments on Forever Young? I had a moment where I was walking through my neighborhood at night listening to this record and the song came on and I just started bounding down the sidewalk just at a (laughs) swift gallop. (laughs) It put some vigor in me. I also think it's a particularly interesting song because the melody doesn't move from its one place. It's basically an A section the entire time. Every verse comes from the same melody. The chorus is just the repeated thing in between different lines, almost as if the song itself is like afraid to move from its own place. Mm, fitting the lyrics. Oh, that is smart. And just, uh, you know, it joins the list of songs called Forever Young before that big one, Forever Young. Yeah, suck it's it, Alphaville. it's true i'm gonna use this to confuse my father even more my dad had for some reason even though he grew up in the 80s never heard of the alphaville forever young song somehow but he did know of a different song called forever young that was by rod stewart Mm -hmm. one day when i was a kid i was like singing the alphaville song and my dad was like oh what's that song i was like it's forever young he's like no it's not (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, it is. And then he starts singing what he thinks is forever young. And I was like, what the hell are you singing? And then we went and grabbed my mom. And and even she was looking at my dad like, what? What is that? You don't know forever young? So now he's just got another one to confuse him even more. I feel like every time that I hear the song forever young in like an in memoriam reel or something, I need it replaced with the sparks forever young. (laughs) Please. Oh my god. No, I will not hear this land. I, I love Alphaville's Forever Young. For it's okay, world. right? People can be wrong sometimes. <laughs> Don't worry, Jamie. We'll get to more than a few things that you're wrong about before this is over. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I haven't talked about how I feel about I'm not yet. That's good. I'm fully prepared to defend it. Mm-hmm. I want to talk now about my final top three occupation. I really enjoy it. The big single off the record. The big single. Yeah. I, I also, I love its music video, which is really fun. Oh my god, its music video is... is Just a bunch of Halloween it's, costumes. It's really bad in the best possible way. Yeah. Definitely most earwormy out of all of them for me. That's the one that I would very often have the choruses in. You need an you need an you need an occupation. One specific moment I really like from the song, which it was funny, it was cut from the music video. One of the many occupations they talk about where 
Russell talks about being a pilot mm-hmm. and is just panic laughing after he's like, we're just as scared as you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really fun little extra moment that made me laugh every time I listened to it. Mm-hmm. It also always gets me, unless your daddy's rich. Oh, mm-hmm. Good times. Good times. Good times indeed. Should we take a couple seconds for a big surprise? Yeah, Jenna oh, and I yeah. both a big surprise. Yeah, on definitely. Yeah. It's such a pleasant way to begin the album. Yeah. It's so nice and calming, but it's not too slow. It's not too fast. It's just right. Yeah, I haven't really responded to a Sparks opening track like this since Girl from Germany. Yeah, I very much agree with you, too. It's got such a soft... Again, it fits the introducing title. Mm-hmm. It feels like they're welcoming me into the album, like slowly right? but surely. Yeah, it, like, it, it, it almost feels like Russ is saying, come into my home, have a <laughs> glass of hot cocoa, warm up by the fire. And he's like sitting there, like cracks open a big storybook or something. <laughs> Gives me a blanket. I feel nice and comforted. Ron is dressed like Santa in the corner, not talking or really contributing. No, he's actively hiding in the corner dressed as Santa. With his arms crossed and he looks real mad at one of us, but he keeps, you know, darting his eyes. <laughs> but do you think Ron and Russell Mayo would be intimidated by the three of us on the street? Do you think we could beat them in a fight? With Jenna, yeah, I think we could. Okay. Yeah, I mean, with we having an extra person. And I guess we do have an age is... advantage. We have, a li- we have a little bit more youth than... Uh, a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> you realize they're in like their 70s now right there's a they have a song called forever young you can't lie in music that's true you can't everything in every song is true uh oh actually i've been referencing justin long a lot in our episodes yes and sort of crafting pitches for the man in hopes that one day He'll respond and get on the podcast that's right it's time for our new official segment the long take. I know what I'm doing. I've done this before. I mean, I've, I've read about it. Welcome to The Long Take with Gib Christensen. Here I'm, I am presenting my pitch for the use of occupation in a Justin Long movie. Occupation is the theme song for a Justin Long movie where the only way he can inherit his dad's fortune and mountain of gold is by successfully working a different job every day for a year. I love every it! Every day. So he's constantly explaining his situation to different places at work. He'll be a Wendy's cashier, a fighter pilot, a game show host, and even a stripper. Ooh. Can I be honest? Yes. I don't think I know who Justin Long is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand what the vibe is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's from such films as Accepted and Jeepers Creepers. He's also in Herbie, fully loaded. (laughs) Oh, wait, really? (laughs) Who's in that? He's the boyfriend. Oh, of course. Uh, Okay, I now know who Justin Long is. Continue. Uh, Well, don't worry. There's not much more detail. I just need to make it clear that because of this uh, stripper angle... Justin's bare ass will be in 25% of the movie. Woohoo! You know, it's dangerously close to being NC-17. For that reason alone, though, there's no swearing, there's no violence, there's no drug use, really, of any kind. It's a very wholesome <laughs> movie, except for... Except there's just there's a ton just of a ass. a lot of Justin Long ass. Mm-hmm. His long ass. His long, His long ass. ass. Even uh, in, like, non-stripper-related scenes, 
uh, he will just kind of be casually bearing but uh, you know, show and cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Posting hole. Uh, <laughs> Posting hole. Uh, pitching some peach. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> Throwing it back. <laughs> Displaying a cake, if you will. Letting um, it all hang out the back door. <laughs> popping out the trunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, Winding up the behind. <laughs> now, Jamie. Yeah. We both, of course, uh, planned this new segment, mm-hmm. but there is another new segment that's starting right now. Oh, no. That's right. Jamie, welcome to the Slow Boat Smackdown. <laughs> oh, now I have to come up with a sound cue for it. Fuck. That's right. Thankfully, because Jenna is here, we have a full-on army to do this. Now, here is the Slowboat Smackdown. Me and Jenna will describe the various reasons that Slowboat is a great and fantastic song. And you, Jamie, will do nothing. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard Jamie die a little inside. God. Would you like to start or shall I? Uh, you can start. All right. First reason why Slowboat is great. It invented Yacht Rock, and that is a good thing, damn it. Second reason. Have you even seen the tiny Slowboat that they made for that performance? Wonderful. Reason number three. It's got such a pretty intro. It's so pleasant, leads you in so calmly. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Reason four. It's got a really nice vocal harmony. There's something really soothing about, like, first album level Russell, already knowing how to control his high-ass tones. Reason number five, great atmosphere. I love the... Again, it's Yacht Rock. Don't be ashamed of that. Own it. They didn't need to go so hard with the guitar at the end, but they did. For us. True. And that's very much a preview to what we see in this album, bringing it all the way back around. How selfless of the males. Thank you, Captain Imagine how much better Slowboat would have been, and it already is great, but imagine if they had Captain Fingers on it. Mm -hmm. And lastly... It goes with everything. You ever try listening to it and watching it at the same time as The Wizard of Oz? It totally syncs up. And that was the Slowboat Smackdown. Uh, Jamie, I don't know if... Uh, Jamie, you're allowed to talk again. Are you alive? Are you okay? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Have we convinced you? Has the Smackdown synced in? Sorry, guys. I have to smack down all of your praise. It's okay, we'll get them someday. We've lost the battle, but we will win the war. Yeah. You know what, Jamie? I think you just need to relax and go listen to Slowboat again. I think what we need to do is uh, steal Jamie. Kind of like the cover to Propaganda, where it's Ron and Russell on a boat being taken who knows where. And Oh, yeah. so this is a kidnapping. Sort of, yeah. In a more professional sense. It's like that scene in A Clockwork Orange where they've got like his eyes taped open <laughs> <laughs> just forcing down upon them. It's funny because it's just the audio of Slowbo. We don't need to pry your eyes open, but I mean, we're gonna... No, no, no. We're going to show them the video oh, of yeah. the tiny actual Slowbo. <laughs> and yeah. that's just going to run on repeat while you're tied to a chair for, I don't know, a week? Yeah. Uh, Jamie, really all we're saying is to end this, you just have to say on mic that Slowboat's a good song. This will end. 
The torture will end. You'll get to escape this hellish prison. If you just, on microphone, tell the people out there that slow boat rules. Ah, that's a no can do, Gib. I like to be hurt. I like to be wounded. I like to be vulnerable. That makes me even more surprised than that you didn't like I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Should uh, we get to our bottom three? Uh, before we do that, let's do a quick ad break. We'll be right back. Totally awesome! Isn't Sparks like totally dutical? They're okay. Okay? Twiggy, Sparks is your ultimate favorite group in the whole world. For sure. Hello? Hi everyone, it's us again. Your favorite niche music podcast hosts that maybe like each other? We have some hard-hitting arguments on this show. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our subject of the matter. For your consideration. For your consideration. For your consideration. No, for your consideration. 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 For the subscribies. <laughs> for the subscribies, we would like to present ourselves for uh, the various uh, award categories. Best co-host bullying. I think we've proven that in spades. Uh, Jamie, on multiple occasions, I think... We've both tried to destroy each other's egos, break each other down emotionally, and effectively, uh, I guess, just destroy one another. And it's only made our friendship even more powerful, which brings us to the next area of consideration. Best duo. This doesn't necessarily mean the most friendly duo. We just means no. that we're the best. We're the best at what we do. We're the best at being two people. <laughs> we're 10 out of 10 at existing as two people with microphones and opinions two out of two really uh, i mean that's all you need to start a podcast that's all we really need uh we would also like to be nominated for best fight scene mm-hmm. we know there's a lot of competition somehow uh john wick 3 is in these categories that's right yes category. the audio adaptation of john wick 3 starring a bunch of french i mean I like John Wick 3, and I like the French, so... So, so we have tough competition yes, on that that's one. A I'll, tough admit, one. I'll admit that's one I'm fine with losing. The, you gotta stay humble. But the next one, we will riot, subscribies, if May Living Space does not get nominated for... Best Podcast About Sparks. Right, I, right. I hear it's being renamed to the Slow Boat Award. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that, Jamie? Please, <laughs> N- nominate us for the Slow Boat Award. Oh, yes. oh fuck, I just broke my stress and, ball. And don't worry, if we win it, I'll make sure Jamie doesn't break it. Or Oh god, the beans are everywhere. We hope to hear from the award people everywhere on uh, our eventual win. Thank you very much to uh, all the judges who are certainly listening. We hope you have a good evening. For your consideration... For your consideration. For your consideration. You, 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 consider us. Thank you, Oprah. Okay, bye. Welcome back to Male Living Space, a podcast about Sparks. We were just talking about our top three tracks from the 1977 album Introducing Sparks 
followed by a uh, very wholesome, friendly game of Slow Boat Smackdown. Oh my god, so friendly! (laughs) (laughs) Definitely wasn't super damaging to hear that you wanted to do the Ludovico treatment to me with a piece of Yacht Rock garbage. No, it was was like fun. It was like fun and friendly. I loved it. It was like mean. It was like funny. It was like funny. I don't know what's more sus. The fact that Jamie's still talking to us or the fact that they know it's called the Ludovico treatment. (laughs) Were you at the meeting when we pitched this segment, Jamie? Were you... Were you... Oh, you were the one on, like, the rooftop at the window. I was the one with the the sunglasses and the mustache. It was me. Ah. Dang it, I knew that wasn't Groucho Marx. (laughs) You fools! Groucho Marx's been dead for decades. It was me. It was me. Now, you found us discussing our bottom three tracks. Jamie, would you like to start? Certainly. My bottom three tracks on introducing Sparks were Girls on the Brain, I'm Not, and Occupation. Oh. My bottom three is I'm Not, Over the Summer, and Those Mysteries. Ooh. My bottom three were Over the Summer, Girls on the Brain, and Ladies. Oh, Oh, right. (laughs) Let's talk about ladies first. Yeah, quick story. Um, Ladies could have been so good. It really could have been. One of you was saying something earlier about Forever Young, how it kind of stays in one tone, one theme Mm -hmm. the whole time. And in that song, it works to its advantage. Mm -hmm. Ladies is the counterexample where it works to its detriment. Because the first time we listened to that, the song still had like 30 seconds left. And I wasn't paying attention. I was just hearing him say, ladies, 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 over and over again. And I eventually just yelled out, you have to stop saying ladies. Like, stop. It's too much. I feel like the song would have been super improved if all of the things that each of the ladies were doing was a joke in and of itself. Yeah, that's the other thing. I'm not clear what the song was about. The way I interpreted it when I was listening was sort of like, this guy, he can't get a date or something, and so, like, the loves of his life are all these, like, pop culture women and, like, the ladies on the boxes of the stuff he Oh, he, he has a wife. Oh, right. You pull in the driveway. But, oh, right, yeah. It's this weird thing of, do you love these, like, mascots more than your wife? Mm-hmm. I do like the image of friends coming over. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, no, Aunt Jemima's here. I'm making pancakes. I got, you know, the ladies are here. Mm-hmm. But, like, an execution. No, you have to say it right. It's not the, the ladies. Oh, right. The ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely just could have used better execution, mm-hmm. like you two have been saying. All right, I'm ready to fight about I'm not because yeah. both of you put it at the bottom and uh, I wholeheartedly disagree. I will say for me, it was definitely the one example I have where it's like I had to have three. So it just kind of ended up on the chopping block. I do love the guitar work. I mean, that is fair. This is a really strong album overall and there yeah. aren't that many tracks. It is kind of hard to find a bottom three. I can agree with that. Yeah. So I do think it's a nice shitty day song. Or it's got this nice bluesy kind of sassy vibe. I think it's just the flow of it. It didn't flow so great for me at first but when the guitar like really starts nailing it near the end then i'm like oh got it okay i'm back i think we run into this a lot with sparks where they do something that's purposefully annoying for the purposes of the subject matter we encountered this with nothing is sacred there's no way though that i'm not as worse than nothing is sacred (laughs) nothing is sacred was 
I, I hated that song. <laughs> Nothing is sacred is pretty wretched. I'm not, because it's a song like about laziness, it's like, the guitar sounds detuned. The lyrics don't rhyme. It's classic Sparks cheekiness, but in this case, the song doesn't really amount to much more than run-of-the-mill slackerdom. That's interesting that both of you seem to be equating the interpretation to laziness because that's not at all the impression mm. that I got of what the song was about. Mm. To me, the, the song and the lyrics read much more of, especially in combination with the very stompy quality to the melody in that mm. song, it feels like someone is stamping their foot angrily and in distress to it. Mm -hmm. And to me, it very much evokes a powerful and almost creepy portrayal of depression and dissociation and not being able to like get up or do anything mm. yeah that, um yeah and that that really spoke to me because i've been there mm -hmm. <laughs> i've been i was there a few days ago when i threw my back out it seemed like a very haunting song nestled right in the middle of what is otherwise a relatively like cheery and upbeat yeah. album between ladies so, and forever young mm -hmm. yeah so in that respect i think it could be fair to criticize it for being kind of out of place in this album mm -hmm. but i think for what it is in its strange weird little five minute window to exist it's a wonderfully haunting song yeah i definitely see what you're talking about where i feel it's more depression-y then I don't feel like working today. It did feel... Yeah, I, the, I feel the, like... The crunchiness of it has this kind of damaged quality to mm -hmm. it where it's like, I'm so tired. Like, yeah, I feel like referring to it as lazy or slackerness is an oversimplification. Mm. Let's talk about Over the Summer. One of you called it a Beach Boys parody, yes. and I 100% agree, except it's a bad Beach Boys parody. <laughs> it's not the best. It has nothing on Weird Al's pancreas. <laughs> no, not at all. And this kind of echoes something that I've noticed with most of the Sparks I've listened to up to this point. This is not a hard rule, but I do often get the sense when listening to Sparks that when their musical sound tries to leap forward in time tries to give us sounds that are very avant-garde and that we haven't heard before and that end up becoming popular later. That is when they tend to produce some of their best stuff. And on the other hand, I think it has the opposite effect when they take their sound and move it backwards in time. Yep, we've encountered that a lot. They're retro pastiches. They haven't fared well. No, and I think mm -hmm. Over the Summer is a shining example of what not to do when looking into the past. Yeah, exactly. It's campy, but it's not at its core great. Absolutely. To be honest, it does feel like the retro pastiche here has a little bit more purpose to it because it's a song about looking back on adolescence. And at the time of the early 60s, late 50s, when doo-wop and surf pop were popular, that probably would have been the adolescence for the males. Oh, yeah. They oh, were, yeah. Absolutely. They grew up surfing and still love the waves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're from California. They're California boys. They obviously grew up with the Beach Boys to a certain extent. No doubt. So why don't you like Occupation, Jamie? Because it's five minutes long. <laughs> it does run a little long. Yeah, I will. I will say I was struggling with my top three between Big Surprise and Occupation. Mm. And I ended up going with Big Surprise largely because I was like, yeah, Occupation does run a little bit long at the end. By like the four minute mark, you're kind of like, all right, we get it. Like, yeah. Wrap it up. Sure. Yeah. It has a lot of lyrical commonalities with ladies, I suppose, in that it's a list song in the style of Cole Porter, and I know that Ron loves that sort of structure. Something for the girl who has everything is probably the best example of it. 
Oh, yeah, true. But in the case of Occupation, it really does feel like it could have gone for 16 more verses. <laughs> but they're all super, super short. And then the longest bits happen to be this chorus that repeats itself. Obviously, the single cuts itself at around the three and a half minute mark. And honestly, the single version is probably the one that should have remained on the album. Yeah, it's funny because normally I'm a proponent of listen to the full version. But I think I actually agree with you. This one might have been better as just a single cutting. I do think it was right to keep in that line about flying the plane. I'm like, yeah. we don't know what we're doing. Because that is genuinely funny. <laughs> what have we not talked about? I guess You don't like those see. mysteries? You know what? Those mysteries was almost on my bottom three too. Mm-hmm. And the reason I ended up not putting those mysteries on my bottom three is because it was goofy enough to be memorable, mm-hmm. even if I wasn't really vibing with it. And the reason I put Girls on the Brain on my bottom three instead is because while those mysteries wasn't really my vibe but i do consistently remember mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. i don't remember a goddamn thing about <laughs> i hate brain. girls on the brain <laughs> like i've listened to it multiple times within the last 24 hours but if you ask me right now to sing girls on the brain i nothing that song is nothing. ass <laughs> first of all i have a huge prejudice against white blues in general I grew up with a father who was super into Eric Clapton, and anytime I hear 12-bar blues done with a white guy, and he's trying to do an evocation of the classic blues idiom, it doesn't feel right to me, and it always feels way, way slower than it actually has to be. That song plods along. I feel like you, you've you truly grown up when you realize that Eric Clapton only really had five songs that were amazing and then the rest was just kind of meh. <laughs> Say what you want about the Rolling Stones, but at least they didn't try to get so fucking self-righteous about the blues the way that Eric Clapton did. It was so much better when he was on drugs. Yeah, the Rolling Stones just always seemed like we're making music because we don't know what else to do. Yeah. yeah. Like, it never occurred to the Rolling Stones to do anything but make Right, it wasn't like music. fucking Eric Clapton where he's like, oh, let me preserve the blues. Like, you can fuck all the way off. <laughs> yeah. The Rolling Stones don't have time to think about that. That was two albums ago. They, they're already writing another right. one. Right. We're getting off topic. <laughs> sure, sure. Girls on the Brain is bad. Mm-hmm. Those Mysteries was a tough one for me to put in. I think it's a great closer. It, absolutely. It definitely is in the right spot on the track yeah, list. It kind of has big surprise energy mm-hmm. that warm like slow way of being like album's almost over mm-hmm. yeah it's kind Just of like you're drifting time. off to sleep now time yeah. to wonder about the weird mysteries of life yeah I think I just wanted a little bit more, I guess. I wanted a little bit more of the parents that don't give a shit. It felt like it needed a little bit more structure. It was a little too broad. I wasn't super comfortable putting it in my top three very early on. But then recently, I rewatched the Lonely Island film, Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping. Oh, I haven't seen it in a hot minute. It's a good one. I've never seen it. I've heard it's good. Of course, the movie ends with incredible thoughts. And I was like, oh my god, those mysteries is incredible thoughts. Why is there time? Why is there space? Why is there France? Why is there Spain? Like, 
It's no different from Lonely Island. It does feel like with those lines, they were kind of just searching for anything that rhymed. But it's so brilliant because the song is from the perspective of a dumb kid. Yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's funny where it's like every time I, I ask my dad, he'll say, go ask your mom or just go oh, yeah. away. Why does my father kiss my mother occasionally? Occasionally. Occasionally. Yeah. It's so good. And like the idea of a Barry so Manilow style lounge song done from the perspective of a child i think it's brilliant yeah honestly it's tragic that somehow weaseled its way into my bottom three but it's had to pick something i think what we're all really saying is that this is just a really strong album and we kind of each had one that we just kind of had to sacrifice to the bottom three yeah yeah I feel bad about putting occupation in the bottom three i kind of feel bad about putting over the summer in the bottom three (laughs) gib or do you not feel guilt is that too human (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Science, Beekman is. of Beekman's <laughs> World. <laughs> it's those mysteries for me that I'm like, ah, damn it. Yeah. Bottom three. I, I think each of us were able to like, okay, here's two that we definitely don't mm-hmm. like. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the important part. Putting this album on our patented Ignitometer. Jamie, where do you put Sparks' 1977 album, Introducing Sparks, on the Ignitometer? Mm. It's one of the albums that I think it's the easiest to re-listen to, but it would be even more easy to listen to if there wasn't the scariness of I'm Not or the plodding (laughs) dreariness of Girls on the Brain. So I would be comfortable putting it at an exposed wire. I think I like it a little less than Indiscreet because I felt that Indiscreet had a lot of fun experiments and also it has some of my favorite lyrics, but I don't think it's an altogether unpleasant record at all. That is an exposed wire. For sure. While I definitely do give it a lot of points for being accurate to the name, I think they accomplished their mission in a way, reintroducing yeah, themselves. It, it feels like the album did everything it wanted to do. Yeah, so that's how I feel about it. It accomplished its mission, even if I'm left wanting just a bit more. Think of the fanciest meal you've had, but like, take a fourth of it out. You know you'd be full if you got it. So I think I'll give it an aerosol can. Mm -hmm. I agree with a lot of the sentiments that both of you gave. It did succeed at the vast majority of what it wanted to do. I don't think I could call it the best Sparks album. I'm sure there are better ones than this. But it's funny, it almost seems like a better alternative to a Greatest Hits album because it feels like it's a very good showcase of what they're about and who they are, their identity as a musical act without repeating shit you've already heard. So in that respect, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to give it a Tesla coil. Mm. Hell yeah. Nice. Noise. Noise. As the kids say. Yeah. Also, I'd like to jump on my soapbox about something for just one second, please. Sure. Jump away. Now listen, I recall listening to y'all's first episode of this podcast. Thank you. (laughs) But for us of the subscribies. (laughs) (laughs) It was a great episode. I greatly enjoyed it. But there was one thing about it that was deeply disturbing. The song off the first Sparks album. Yeah. The song that I consider to be far and away, by a country mile, the best song on that album, was not talked about at all during the episode. (laughs) 
<laughs> now, it wasn't in either of y'all's top three. It wasn't in either of y'all's bottom three. No one gave any consideration. So I would like to submit to, for your consideration what I think is the actual best song of the first Sparks album. For our consideration? For our I see. I love High C. High C might be my favorite Spark song I've heard, period, up to this point. It has one of the best intros I've ever heard to one of their songs. It's fun when it wants to be. It's bouncy when it wants to be. It's mystical when it wants to be. It's a little bit haunting when it wants to be. And it's funny when it wants to be. And it does all of those things in the span of like three minutes, 12. I love High C. That is all. Right on. Good use of the soapbox. Yes. Thank you. I will now step off of my soapbox. <laughs> uh, for your consideration, listen to High C more. For our consideration? For, our for, consideration. for yours and for the listeners. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very cool. Very uh, cool. Moving on to our final big segment of this episode. Uh, it's You've Got Mail. You've got mail. Where we read listener feedback, whether it be through physical letters that we're getting in our definitely real P.O. box, all the pigeon messages I've been receiving through my window. Pigeon messages? Kim, we've been over this. Birds (laughs) aren't real. The bird people are going to be pissed once they hear you say that. Oh, boy. I can take them. Okay. Uh, wait. Damn it. Damn it. Something just got thrown in my ear. Oh, uh... Perfect time. It's a letter. Oh! Whoa! I'm in the room. I saw that. Yeah, a, a straight-up letter just appeared out of his ear. This wasn't thrown at me or anything. It was just fell out. Are you like a human fax machine of some kind? I may have secretly originally been a prototype for what was gonna be email. <laughs> when, they, you know, the fax people were trying to make a comeback, mm-hmm. uh, they thought maybe the solution was robot. It was initially going to be called Gmail for Gib, but it was too silly. No one would use it. So then they just kicked me out of the lab, and I found my way out of the woods, and now I'm here with a Sparks podcast. Anyway, let's read this letter that came out of did my you, head. Did you learn English by listening to Sparks? <laughs> Indeed. Can't you tell my Californian accent? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It says here. Oh, no. Jenna, it's from the bird people. I'll fight them. They couldn't even wait till the episode came out. They heard you. The birds, they hear everything. This letter first off starts with, Dear Jenna, we are real. Oh! Oh? It says, Dear Jenna, we are in fact real. Okay, so this doesn't mean people who are representing birds. The birds are writing these. Okay, the birds are real. The birds Wow, I can't believe it. A weird internet conspiracy was wrong. (laughs) Honestly, here's the thing. We usually get really aggressive letters. Yes. Lots of threats. Lots of uh, just violence and attacks on us as people and as obviously professional music critics who are licensed to do this work. Mm-hmm. This one's pretty friendly. It actually just says, hey, no problem. Everyone makes mistakes. If you want to come hang out at the nest sometime, we've got eggs. Ha ha ha. JK, we don't eat our young. It'll be steak. We have steak. If you would like to contact us, please climb any tree with a bird in it and shout your response, you know they understand if they fly away in a panic. So, so there will not be eggs. You will not be eating eggs with the birds. They, in fact... I won't be eating eggs, but will eggs be present? There's a good chance that while you're there, just out of nowhere, the bird will lay an egg out of a oh, surprise. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I can live with that. Okay, good. It says here they claim to make really good steak. You know what? I'll believe it. 
The birds will want to talk sports. The hey, birds. I mean, one of the sports teams that I root for is a bird team. Yeah. I won't say which one to preserve the mystique. <laughs> so, uh, okay, I guess we now know the bird people will get back to us fast, so don't piss them off. Yeah. Got it. Uh, Jamie, any mail on your end? Did you get hit with anything, or did you get, like, traditional mail, like, in a box? Yes, I got hit with something. One of the creases in my forehead is actually designed as a sort of mail slot. I had that done surgically. <laughs> you had that installed? Yes, I did. So when people fling paper at me, my forehead catches it. <laughs> it just sort of eats it, like, and you process the letter in your head. That's right, yeah. Actually, I've got the printout here on my tongue. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I hope you can read it. I hope it's not soggy. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. So basically, the gist of the letter is it's coming from a woman named Rhoda, Alabama. and <laughs> where, where is she writing from? She was writing from Milan, Italy. Okay, oh. good. <laughs> so, guys, this is so embarrassing, but this is actually a message that came eight weeks ago. Oh. Yes. It says something along the lines of, I think it would be fun if there were a segment where Gib and a special guest of his choosing talked really nice things about Slow Boat, and Jamie, you just sort of sat there in silence. So... I feel like you guys, your segment might actually be in violation of copyright law and you might have to actually stop it like here and now and be nice to me. You know, Jamie, that's a pretty weak sauce way of dealing with that kind of- The law is the law, Jenna. I can't do anything about that. (laughs) The law does not govern morality. The right thing for you to do is get a guest of your own and introduce Uh your own surprise segment where the two of you talk about how much you hate Slowboat and Gib will say nothing. Oh, oh I like That's this. That's proper retaliation. Yeah, it's a war, Jamie. You can't negotiate peace. You have to fight. You're assuming that this is a peaceful setting, but based on what I've seen here today, this is very much a war zone. And in war, you have to do certain things. Truly, the only reason we're recording long distance is so we don't fight each other physically. As you know, any two buff jocks in a room together are actually destined to fight, and there will be blood. (laughs) That movie sucks. You suck. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen the movie, I don't know. Jenna, where can people find you on the internet? Don't find me on the internet. I don't want to be found. If you have found me on the internet, like, keep it to yourself. (laughs) All right. right. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Male Living Space, a podcast about sparks. If you like this show, tell us that you like it by leaving a review on the podcast app of your choice and subscribing as well. We are on a bunch of different podcast apps, so all you have to search for is Male Living Space. That's M-A-E-L. And I'm only telling you this so you can tell your friends. Or if you don't like the show, you can tell the people that you don't like in your life and you can confuse them the way that Jenna confuses her dad. It's true. It's true. I'm going to start gaslighting him into thinking that now the Sparks Forever Young is the famous one that everybody knows. There we go. Yeah. And the Alphaville one is actually a really niche one that only I like. Yeah. Uh, And then he'll still somehow think I'm talking about the Rod Stewart one. Yeah. uh, Sean, if you're listening, and I'm sure he is, 
Listen, listen to what you've heard. Damn, you're gonna out my dad. I'm not gonna. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Gib, what album are we covering next month? Next month, we shall be discussing a very, very different album. Number one in heaven. A massive style shift for the band. If introducing was a sample of what they had been doing all this time in the right, this will be them journeying into a completely different realm and fully going into exploratory experimental mode with all those synthesizers and robot beat boops and such. So feel free to tune in if you want to follow us on social media. We've got an Instagram page. It's got tons of fun followers, lots of fun goofy posts. Just look for Male Living Space Podcast on Instagram. No spaces. No spaces. We're too good for spaces. Mm -hmm. Have a good time. Leave us a review. And whatever you write will be featured in the infamous You Got Mail segment. If you're gonna tear these two to shreds, be artful about it. Bully us. Bully, I say. Yeah, yeah, come bully us. Oh, I'm gonna dislike it so much. <laughs> oh no, it'd be so terrible if a big, strong internet giga chat <laughs> came and bullied you. Uh, <laughs> we didn't even thank Jenna for coming on. Uh, that was You've Got Mail and Other Nonsense. Now, for your listening pleasure and ours, here's six legally allowable seconds of the music of sparks thank you captain fingers thank Thank you you, captain Captain fingers Fingers. see you next month for the next one bye 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 then okay i'll go away but they won't go away